Hey there guys, thanks for joining me on another episode of the Euphoria Health Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sapala. I'm a personal trainer who is currently studying a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutrition. I am so extremely passionate about creating sustainable health patterns. With these sustainable health patterns, I aim to highlight the small things that are easy to do but we often neglect. Things like aiming for above 10,000 steps each day, ensuring we're drinking enough water each day, and just taking five minutes to be with ourselves and focus on our breath. These are little tasks that are so easy to incorporate in our day, but majority of us don't do them. These things, among many others, are the key to longevity. This week on the show, I'm delighted to bring you Dale Sidebottom for his third appearance on the podcast. Dale has just released his new book, All Work and No Play. It is a huge accomplishment that Dale has worked extremely hard for. As you guys would know from earlier in the piece, Dale is a fun enthusiast. He aims to educate and inspire everybody to incorporate more joyful, fun components into our day. At the end of the day, whether you're a high school student, business owner, or just everyday Joe Blow, fun and connection are things that humans crave. Dale is so passionate and enthusiastic when he presents to large crowds and he has featured on a TED Talk. If you haven't seen this already, I highly recommend you do so. The message included in that 15-minute chat is truly mind-blowing. I'll have the link in the show notes for you, friends. Dale, you've been a massive influence on my life thus far, from teaching me in your 11 and 12, to helping me start my business and this podcast, and now staying great mates. I truly appreciate all that you've done for me, so thank you. I hope you enjoy the show, folks, and I'll see you on the other side. Sidey, welcome back to the podcast, mate. Awesome to, to have you back on the show. Oh, Matthew, it's always a pleasure. Uh, my greatest success as a student is you. And uh, how ironic is it that you're interviewing me? I absolutely love this, mate. Mate, humbling words from you. Thank you so much. Everyone, or all my listeners know how influential you were on my life and how you've, you know, gave me the kick up the ass and I needed to get through and um, put all these <laughs> ideas into fruition. So thank you so much, mate. For the listeners at home that don't know about what's happened there, explain a little bit how we cross paths and and um, yeah, how we got to this point. Mm, yeah, so I was a teacher for oh, nine years, I think. I've taught in uh, in Australia, I've taught overseas. Um, and my last teaching job was with Cedar and Cricket Australia. And I had the pleasure of teaching you for two years. And I think one of the best things about the program that I loved was that I was the only teacher um, the, and the relationships that we formed were really strong. And obviously uh, you try and guide each student down a different path where they want to go and you help them where you can. And um, not many actually take on board everything you say, but you've been like a sponge mate. And um, it's been brilliant to watch you build a fitness business, uh, start studying at university, starting a podcast, now traveling over to Darwin and everything you're doing. And um, if I've had a little bit of a say in that, that's been uh, quite humbling, mate, because you can always lead people down the right path. But uh, at the end of the day, you're the one taking action. So I was a teacher um, for the last five years. I've run a couple of businesses called Energetic Education and Sugar Life, which means play in Spanish. Essentially, 
I'm a full-time play consultant now where I travel around working with schools, corporations, um, sports clubs, families, you name it, on ways to sort of make physical and mental fitness fun. Yeah, I love that, mate. You also forgot to mention how we were personally keeping Tagani across the road in business with the amount of coffees we used to have. <laughs> um, I can't believe how much milk I used to have in coffee. I just drink long blacks now, but I reckon we're punching out about five large uh, flat whites a day. So I don't know why I wasn't mooing. That's only a litre of milk a day. And I don't know how you had enough money to actually afford that. I, I nearly had to put a down payment on my house to keep paying for my coffees. Ridiculous, mate. I reckon I used to <laughs> scab an extra 20 cents off the top from you as commission when I walked over to get the coffees. <laughs> That's how lazy I was. Oh, I'm sounding like a real, real lazy sort of oh. setup here. That is so good, mate. That, that, um, that coffee shop was awesome. Really good memories. Now, Dale, anyone in or across the world knows that Melbourne's had it really, really tough for the past year and a bit in terms of coming in and out of lockdowns. It's really hard for small business and how you know, deflating it is mentally, especially in the line of work that you're doing at the moment. I know we're going to backtrack and get all that, but you're an avid pu- public speaker and you sort of build your reputation from going and, and speaking to large crowds, whether that's at high schools, businesses, and we're going to dive into that a little bit later on. But how has this lockdown 4.0 affected you and how have you been able to bounce back with and roll with the punches how have you dealt with these sorts of things yeah well, to be honest i haven't dealt with your son that well um i think that the past three i've looked at them as opportunities to uh diverse my business and try something else and, and just um you know go online and um so for example last year i had a six-month world tour booked in i was speaking in 16 different countries um, and within two days, that was all gone. No drama. So then I thought, right, I'm just going to turn my business into online presenting. And I built this studio. I've got all lights. I've got all sound. And like, and I ended up doing 150 plus keynotes just last year virtually. And my business went really well. I've got some new skills presenting online, a couple more lockdowns. And then this one that has just come for us in Victoria, um, it was, yeah, I, uh, there's a lot of people that relate it back to like P, uh, PTSD, so, um, you know, post-traumatic stress um, symptom. And I actually felt that. I felt like I'd lost something because you work so hard to have all these gigs and then all of a sudden you're just told stay at home, you're not allowed to do anything. And um, my positivity was, yeah, it took a real big hit. And I think there was about four days where I was not in a good place and I wasn't a good person. I had no motivation. Um, I was sleeping more than normal. I wasn't getting up early. Um, and then one day I thought, no, I need to change this. So what, 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 how can I go about that? And for me, one thing I always believe in Matt is kindness. And when you start doing things for other people, it actually makes you feel better. So, um, I've also got a new book out. And so for four days in a row, I've been sending one out to a lot of people, but for four days in a row, I just picked five random people that haven't seen for a while or anything like that. I write a message in it and then I'd send them a book. I then decided, right, I need to do something that is just going to flog my body. So I would set a 30 minute timer and every minute on the minute I'd do 10 burpees. So after 30 minutes, I'd done 300 burpees. And what I found was that just those little glimpses where my mind would stop. And, and essentially that was me being present when I was thinking about somebody else with an act of kindness or when I was absolutely destroying my body, I wasn't thinking about all the work I'd lost, all the hard hardship that we're going through in Victoria, how unfair it is. And I wasn't worried about 
how am I going to pay my mortgage and um, support my family? Because I was present in the moment. And, and for me, just shutting my mind down for those split seconds, that allowed me to get back on track. And obviously there was other things I did, but um, you've just got to start with something small. And to be honest, I always tell people this, and um, I normally find it quite easy to get that motivation and keep going. But this lockdown, sip, I, I've never felt it before. And it's probably given me an idea of, what it's like for some people to, you know, start moving their body again or get out of a rut or do something new. It's scary um, and it's hard. So um, yeah, nothing's easy, but I can guarantee you the more work you put into yourself, the better you're going to be. And at the end of the day, um, we've got no control in anything, but I do have control in my actions and the intentions that I set. And that was where I started, mate, because yeah, it was pretty rough. Yeah. Wow, mate. I guess this is like a, something that we could never have forecast or never predicted in, in our whole lives. And I'm lucky enough to have missed the lockdown in, in Melbourne. I'm up here in Darwin, as you all know, just playing cricket and living the dream <laughs> with the sunshine and escaping the cold. But I know from the last lockdown last year, we escaped over about 20 odd weeks where we weren't allowed to work. And it was pretty much nothing that we could rely on in terms of our usual normal life we had to go within and we had to focus on the things we could control and I'm very similar to you Saidi in that moment I was for the first few weeks I was thinking about oh why this why that and questioning why 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 and then when I started to focus on the things that I could control in that moment and and focus a lot more on taking up a new hobby like running or all those things that I could control it definitely made the the time a bit easier not taking away how challenging it was for other people though. No, and, and, and like you just said there, and I did a keynote yesterday, and I always finish with this. If, if you're not happy where you're at, it's no one else's fault. Look in the mirror. And that's what I essentially did. I was like, what this negativity, this anger, it is not helping anyone. I'm not being a good person for my family, for my friends, for myself. I wasn't being nice to myself. I was drinking too many beers at night, midweek, and I, I don't normally do that. And I just looked at myself. I'm like, you need to stop this. It's nobody else's fault. This is a circumstance that you're in. How are you going to react? And like you just said, um, sometimes it's harder than others. But essentially, if you're not happy with where you are or what you're doing, then no one else is going to come and help you. You need to help yourself. And um, yeah, that's what I've tried to do. And um, this time it's been a lot harder than normal, mate. Yeah, definitely, mate. I think that's a great segue into your TED Talk, the narcissistic, narcissistic to nice. In preparation for this podcast, mate, I watched that about three or four times and <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really, really influential for me. There was a part in that in that talk, that 15 minute talk, which I'll have the link for you guys at home to get access to straight away, where you spoke about gratitude and showing other people kindness. And you spoke about messaging people. I admire you. I love you because, and I, you can pick up the pieces here, Dale, for yeah. the last one. Yeah, I can do it. Proud, admire, love. Yep. That's Pell message. One. Yeah, the Pell message. And mate, that changed my whole day. I found myself up here in Darwin in a little bit of a, quote unquote rut where I'm going through the motion, sleeping in a little bit more and and just like starting off the day in a negative frame of mind, but having the ability to send someone that pal message, it really, really changed the whole the whole outcome of the day, mate. And for anyone that hasn't seen the TED talk, can you give us a little bit of a, a background about what sparked this for you? Yeah, so there's a couple of different things and good on you for giving it a go. I know when I started, I had the idea 
Um, I was scared shitless, mate, because you're being extremely vulnerable and you're putting yourself out there, particularly as males. But I think that's why we need to do it. Um, it is so important. So um, my mum and dad retired from work and um, dad's been a real big part in the community and so is mum. And um, at their retirement, like out the front of the work, um, a couple of their workers got me down there and there was about 60 people there and they all went around the circle and they all tell, they all said why they, they were proud, different things they admired, they loved their work ethic. And I, I picked up the those three words and I thought that's fascinating but then I thought why do we wait for you know for him to retire to tell him these things and um so be had it that two weeks later a guy I used to play footy with just out of the blue um he had some heart condition playing footy on the field and, and he died and um for the next three weeks on his Facebook page there was the nicest messages I've ever seen but he never got to read them so all these things started hitting with me and I'm like why do we wait for someone to go? Why do we wait for a special occasion, right? It shouldn't be that we tell them on a special occasion. We should tell them when we just feel it and all the time. So I decided that I was going to write a pal message for, I just picked 10 people's names to start with Matt. And um, each morning I'd get up and um, I get up quite early. And part of my morning routine was doing a pal message. So I'd write, G'day Matt, please don't feel like you have to reply. There's a few things I'd like to say. And then I'd write a paragraph of why I was proud of you, paragraph of what I admired about you, and then a paragraph of what I loved you or what I loved about you. And I'd hit send and um, it was amazing the feelings that I had. Like a lot of the time I'd get a tear in my eye writing these because you would remember all the amazing things that this person meant to you that we don't say enough. Um, but not only that, they would be the first thing that they would get in the morning. And I had grown men ring crying. You know? I had other people ring out, sorry, sorry, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, nothing's wrong. They said, why did you send that message then? I said, I sent it because I believe it. They go, no, you can't do that. Something's wrong. And I think that in itself means that we should do this. Um, that, there is no time you don't know the impact that message will have and like i always say kindness is a ripple effect that if you throw a pebble into a little puddle the ripple effects will affect so many other people from your one act of kindness and i know from when i started doing those pal messages i end up doing 100 in 100 days um that so many other people adapted that and thought, all right, if Dale can do that, maybe I can give that a go and um for example yesterday i did a keynote for 180 people and um in the last three minutes of my talk always I go through that I explain the story and I say to everyone right it's our turn now to have an impact right let's be that rock in the ocean get that ripple going imagine if there's 180 beautiful pal messages going out the impact that'll make particularly in Victoria when we're just coming out of another lockdown and everybody sent it and um, always at the end when I do this people come up to me and they show me the replies and they're crying and it is so simple, but it's so powerful. And um, if you are listening to this now, just pick someone's name that you haven't spoke to a while and just write them a message why you're proud of them or what you admire about and why you love. And if that scares you, then that's the reason you need to do it. May I can't put into words how influential that is and how much that impacted my day being the sender. But imagine receiving one of those. And I flash back to when you were sending these out, Sidey. I got one of those. I was fortunate enough to get one off you. And I was like, what, what's going on here? Like, what, why, why is Sidey sending me this? You know, I'm, but you're exactly right. The ripple effect and the the way that made me feel being the recipient of that message was so uplifting and it definitely changed my perception of how I'm going to look at the day. And I, I just can't speak highly of enough, highly of it enough. So guys, please give this a shot, write down 10 people that, you know, are really close to you or people you haven't spoke to in a while and, and send them 
a power message. I love it. And and with that, sorry, I'm sure you got another question here, Matt. But it, it actually, like, and I talk like narcissistic to nice. Like, there was a time in my life where you know I pushed a lot of people away. I've put downs. I wasn't always the nicest person. And and don't get me wrong, that was like probably two percent of my life. But that two percent affected my relationships. And it was ironic that these simple pal messages reconnecting with people i'd catch up again um, and it just got conversation started again and um yeah so 100 you don't need to send 100 if you don't like i don't recommend doing that there's a lot of work and if you want it would be amazing but um just it's not about you it's about the other person and it was amazing what that actually did to me that it releases love drug oxytocin and let's be honest if you're in victoria you need some more oxytocin at the moment you can say that again, mate. And I'll have the <laughs> template for you guys to copy and paste from the show notes. It's super, super straightforward and it has a really big impact. So thank you, Saidi, for sharing that with us, mate. You highlighted earlier in the podcast, you've just released your new book, All Work and No Play. I know you've been working so hard for such a long time to put the wisdom of Dale Sidebottom onto some paper, mate. For people that have never crossed paths with you, never heard of you before, what does All Work, No Play mean? And, and why did you feel the need to write a book? Yeah, so when I um, resigned from CEDA, my teaching job, um, and started consulting full time, I wrote down a little bit of a not a like not a bucket list, but some goals that I wanted to achieve. And at the top of it was writing a book um, because my <laughs> literacy ability, I could talk all right, I can't pronounce words that well, but actually writing is something that I've always battled with. And I thought that is an outrageous goal that I want to try and achieve. So um, I know because really you used worked... to get me to write on the whiteboard at Cena. It is a story, but I still remember I was a grade one classroom teacher for a term and I'd have to write the word into my iPhone to make sure it was right to put up on the board. And these are grade one spelling words. I was like, oh God, how did I pass university? Lucky I was in before that to do a literacy test. But um, <laughs> so anyway, it's been, it was, an, it was something I wanted to do. I didn't want to self-publish. Um, and for, to be honest, I didn't really have a big profile. My profile is growing slowly, but um, when I started the journey of um, wanting to write a book and I wrote it in about five days, the first one, um, I went to a PR company and I said, how can I get published? And I said, well, you need to go and, um, you know, get get a bigger following. You need to do some more things. So I thought, right. So then I started presenting around the world. I'm presenting in 20 countries. I'm like, they said, yeah, but no one wants to watch a keynote. You need to, and I said, what about if I do a Ted talk? Yeah, that'd be great. So then I found a way to do a Ted talk. And with that Ted talk, then I was able to pitch my energy, my concept, my ideas um, to a number of different publishers. And I was very fortunate that that Wiley really saw the benefits of what I was trying to achieve. Um, And so, yeah, the the book is essentially um, in a lot of the keynotes I do now, Matt, I share my sort of that TED talk, but in a, a greater detail where I really break down the nuts and bolts where I went through a pretty traumatic time in my life that was all focused on me because I was all work, no play. And I, I literally thought the harder I work, the happier I'll be. The more items I accumulate, you know, the happier that'll make me. But what I ended up realizing was, and this is where the Pell message comes into it, that your wealth isn't what you've got in the bank or the items you own. It's the connections you have. And because I was so driven and working so hard, I realized I, you know, I was divorced. I had nowhere to live and I'd push so many people away and I wasn't a happy person. And so the book is me sharing that story 
um, and then the different things that I've been able to implement in my life and, and now essentially what I talk about. Um, as well as that, I've got uh, Richard Cheetah, MBE, who is a head fellow of U uh, Winchester University, who is one of the best play consultants in the world. Um, Professor Alison James, who runs Lego Series Play in the UK um, and through Europe. Um, and Dr. Craig Daly, who used to run uh, Queensland University. And um, they're three of my friends and they have added all their research and evidence to why play and gratitude and exercise and kindness, why they are so beneficial. Um, so it's got my story, it's got practical elements, it's got the evidence and research, but then also the one thing I've got, the last chapter, it is practical ways that you can introduce this at work, at home, with your partner, with your family, wherever you are. So um, I always found that there's a couple of really good books, ones um, by Play by Dr. Stuart Brown, and, and it's unbelievable, Matt, and it tells me all the benefits. But then I was like, yeah, but how do I, how do I introduce this like you've given me all the research and evidence and but now i want practical ways that particularly like myself an average bloke from country victoria actually understands um so i think that's the thing about it it's got these really intelligent people in there it's got my story that people can relate to um, and then it's got you know actionable ways that people can get the benefits of connecting with each other through play um through the book yeah it's so so true man i didn't know it at the time, but I look back now on elements that you used to do before we'd start a lesson at CDAM, where that would be like a little five minute movement based workout in the classroom, or it would be like a, a brain training game to get us engaged. And the impact that that had, especially for people that all they wanted to do was sit down and watch Netflix and watch cricket <laughs> documentaries. Are you talking about yourself? I am, mate. I certainly am. <laughs> But the impact that that had and the energy and the vibration in the room from stepping back from a minute and just being present and, and having some fun, which I think you speak about a lot as adults, we don't really sit back and have fun. We're so serious. We get up, we grind at work, then we get home from work, we grind to cook dinner and then we go to bed and repeat. But in throughout that day, we don't make it fun. Like we got to do it anyway, but let's enjoy the process. And I love your whole philosophy and everything that you are preaching about having fun and taking that time to be present and enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. And, and like you just said, life should be fun. And, and for me, I was joyless and that's why I went through everything I did. And one of the huge things I'm really passionate about now, Matt, is telling people to lock away play dates in their day. So look what young kids at primary school do. They always go, oh, mom, can I go for a play date at Matt's? And, you know, they're locking those in. They have these connection dates. Well, adults need to do that too. If that's by yourself, with your family, at work, wherever it is. And like you said, a lot of these activities and concepts that I use and are in the book, they're no longer than five minutes. And if people say they're too busy to do that, that is BS. You have got five minutes because it'll change a meeting. It'll change a connection. Um, don't just keep doing the same thing over and over. And uh, so for me, yes, um, life should be fun. And unfortunately, you there's a stage in our life where we think we need to get serious, like you just said. And we end up, you know, zapping away the play, the connection, the fun, the joy that we really do need at that age in our life. And for then some reason, when we retire, we start playing again. So there's a big gap missing in everyone's life. And it's not a huge thing that you need to dedicate a lot of time to. And that's sort of what I try and, you know, show that you can play a game or a connection activity and it'll go for two or three minutes. That is all you need. It'll change your mindset, whoever you're with, and it'll allow you to be switched on for whatever you need to do. So if you're 
someone running meetings or doing something like that, then you need to start with something different. I'm a huge believer in this. If you just keep doing the same thing over and over and over, whatever you're going to talk about is probably not zapping in with people anyway, because it's, it's repetitive. If you start with something fun, you wow them, bang, you can talk about whatever you want. They will remember, they'll be on. Um, so yeah, I think play needs to be more at work. It needs to be at home. Um, but particularly from the ages of you know 20 to 50, um, I find, and from all the work I've done, that it's really missing in a lot of people. Yeah, definitely, mate. And I go back to the start of your TED Talk. You walked out in this flamboyant flamingo kit, <laughs> matching shirt, matching pants, and you just got this massive amount of energy and you start clapping and getting people involved in in this clap-along game. And from a presenter point of view, walking up and doing thousands of public speaking events, whether that's the small crowds or large crowds, how do you find that the engagement levels from your participants have changed from speaking traditionally where the old setup where you walk in and pitch your idea to now where you go in and create a, a different energy and do things quote unquote, not normally. How, how do you find that yeah. from an engagement point of view? Oh, well, it's, it's completely different. Um, a lot of, a lot of, I talk about this all the time, connection before content. So particularly if you're walking into a big room, like the TED talk or like yesterday doing a keynote for 180 people, I don't know the people in the room and they don't know me. So that's my opportunity to try something new with them. And um, yesterday they're all sitting down. So I played that clapping game again. Um, and I don't say, and, and this is a big thing out there that um, you don't need to play the games. I do find something that works for you. It may not be a game. It might be some sort of riddle or twist or I don't know. You can find something different. All right. And set the tone with that. And what I've found yesterday, again, I, I played the clapping game that I used to start my Ted talk. And I don't say we're going to play a game. I say, can everyone stand up? When I say one, you do this clap. So they're not, I feel if you give something a label or a title, people will find a reason to say why they don't want to do it. So no worries. I don't label anything. We're just going to clap. Anyway, within three minutes of playing that game and then another one, I had I could hardly stop the room. I had a microphone and the laughter and energy in the room was just electric. Now, a lot of people, I got about five messages straight away when I finished and three of them were how much people loved those two games. Now, I spoke for 45 minutes and I had a really good message, but that just shows that those fun games, we don't get enough in life, Matt. And that was what they took out of it. And they're like, I can't wait to play this with my family. So that alone for me just says why we need more of this and um, why I'm so passionate about, you know, spreading play and making it fun for everyone where it's not about winning or losing and the limelight's not on anyone. So I suppose everyone could probably remember back at school where you might do an, an icebreaker where you go around the circle and say, Hey, I'm Dale from Shepparton. Hey, I'm Matt from airport West. That's an <laughs> ice maker. That's an ice maker because I'm not even listening to what you're saying, Matt, because I'm so nervous about what I'm going to say. You never, ever want the limelight on one person. And the beauty of the games and activities I use, there is no attention on one person. Everyone's concentrating that hard to try and keep up with me or, or do what I'm doing, that they're just laughing and having fun. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it, that play isn't about winning or losing. It's about laughing and connecting with the people around you. And um, yeah, I, I start every talk with that. And I, I was actually, I did another podcast this morning and um, the guy goes, do you always start with those activities? And I was so nervous yesterday before I got on stage. The two games actually allow me to feel more comfortable because I'm really comfortable running those activities. And by the time that five minutes is up, Matt, 
I'm ready to go and my heart rate is down. Whereas at the start, I'm so nervous. So it actually works both ways. Yes, it sets a tone for the audience, but it actually allows me to feel more comfortable and calm before I kick off. Yeah, that's fantastic advice for anyone out there that is in the public speaking realm or wanting to adapt that to their philosophy, invent a game and and yeah, get the energy in the crowd flowing. I absolutely love that, Matt. And backtracking, backtracking a little bit to a sentence you said before, connection before content. I really, really love that, Matt. And you taught me that when we were discussing how to come up with a personal training philosophy and how to encourage your clients to get the most out of them. And, and we've spoken at depth about this before. You can be the best personal trainer in the world in terms of book knowledge and knowing how to do things. But if you're not building a relationship with your client or connecting with them and talking about things other than squats and deadlifts, then you're not giving that person the best experience that you possibly can. And for me, I always try and build a relationship with my clients and have a deep connection through our sessions rather than focus solely on the movements itself. Um, I think that was one of the best messages that I've ever got from you, mate. And it's really, really helped my personal business and helped me get out of my box and, and start conversations and, and build rapport with other people. Yeah. You, you were always very good at that though. I think um, uh, some people do struggle with it, that it doesn't come naturally to them and, and that, you know, you might have to work harder on that because it is essential at the end of the day, life is about relationships. Um, It doesn't matter what business you're in. Everyone's in sales. How well can you sell yourself and sell the connections that you can build? And um, I I just said that to you and you already did that very well. And you you already knew that, but um, it's different when you realize how important it is and you really do focus on it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely. And I think that it's a skill that we can all adapt to whatever, whatever philosophy that we're doing in our life. Mm. And I always say, if you are talking, you're not learning because if you're talking too much at a client, at a friend, um, at anyone, then how are you learning? But when you are listening um, and particularly uh, just listening to your journey over doing this podcast, how you have got so much better because you listen, you take it on board and then you use that for a question. And, And your growth here is exactly the same as other people in any other field that the more you listen and allow people to speak and take in what they're saying, then it makes conversation better. It makes that connection so much more powerful. Yeah, definitely, mate. I couldn't agree more. So I just want to backtrack a little bit before we wrap up the podcast, mate. You mentioned at the beginning of the book that you had to be vulnerable and share your story to a whole audience. How does that feel knowing that potentially the whole world knows about your hardships and your struggles and, and what power is in vulnerability from your point of view? Mm, Yep. And, and such a good question. And um, it's really surprising the amount of people that have, you know, messaged and said, wow, I didn't realize you went through that. Even my Nana, who's not in a very good health state at the moment, she was speaking to mum yesterday and, and she didn't even know. And, and a lot of time people suffer in silence. They don't share, they don't talk about things going on. Um, and I, I needed to, I felt that to build a connection with an audience, I needed to be honest. And if I'm going to be talking about happiness and, you know, connection and being present, I need to tell them exactly how it was that I haven't always been like this. And um, I think it was the first ever keynote I did in Tasmania um, for about 200, 200 teachers down there. And this was the first time that I was going to share my story where, you know, like 
all the bad things I'd done. I'd been divorced at a young age, had nothing going on for me. And, um, and so I flew mum and dad down as well. So they could hear it because they'd obviously experienced it with me. And um, I was very nervous talking about it. I, I did a horrible job presenting it, but what the people said afterwards was, most people can relate to it. Everybody has got some struggle or something going in their life and it just takes somebody to share it. And that's probably been the biggest uh, lesson I've learned that, um, but be okay with what you've gone through because that shaped the person I am today. And if I hadn't have gone through that, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I wouldn't be impacting the people. And by me sharing that story and being vulnerable, it allows other people to know it's okay. Um, so I wanted to get that into a book. So that it wasn't just, you know, people that came to my workshops or listen to my podcast or TED talk that other people around the world could read that and understand that, yep, bad things happen. It's how you man up on it and how you get on with it. And essentially it's like COVID lockdown four, like, yeah, it's not the ideal, but how are you going to deal with it? So being vulnerable, um, I've found that it sets the tone for other people and it makes people feel safe. Me sharing my story and my imperfections, um, you know, people can relate to that. And it might take them hearing me and somebody else and somebody else for them to realize it's okay to not be perfect all the time and to make mistakes. But um, yeah, if people don't share, they don't know. And I think the the big thing for me is so many people that are good friends of mine or people in my life didn't actually know what I'd been through. So that in itself means that we do need to talk more and we do need to share it. But this book for me has allowed me to tell my story um, and yeah, I suppose get it out to the world. And again, it doesn't get any easier sharing it. Um, yes, I'm probably better at telling it now, but each time somebody reads or messages me, I, I still, you know, I'm still a little bit uneasy about it, but it does get a little bit easier the more and more you do it. Yeah, so inspiring, man. And I, I couldn't agree more with the power beyond vulnerability. You have those conversations with people and you you be open and vulnerable and it sparks up conversations and it creates a safe space for other people to relate. And I, I really admire that from you, Saidi, having the courage and vulnerability to do that on such a wide scale at keynotes and and in a book, mate. It's um it's definitely inspiring. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate that, mate. Now, play-based fun is something that you're definitely known for and you're definitely making a name for yourself about it, mate. This is a really good resource for students, teachers, business owners, relationships, and it's definitely going to uplift your life. I'd love to know where people can buy the book and get their hands on all work and no play. Yeah, well, uh, I always say go to your local bookstore. It's in all good bookstores around Australia. And if there's international listeners, it's uh, available nationally, uh, internationally as well. Um, go and support local business, particularly in Victoria. Go to your local bookshop because they have been affected so bad. Um, if you don't have a local bookstore, it's available online from Booktopia, uh, Amazon, you name it. If you just go online and type in All Work No Play by Dale Sidebottom, um, it's available globally and you should be able to grab a copy. So, um, yeah, but big thing is go and support local business. It's uh, Small businesses have been absolutely destroyed in the last year and a half. And um, if you can give anything back, it's an opportunity to do that. Now, Saidi, one last question before we wrap up the podcast, mate. What does it feel like a little country boy from Shepparton now as an author? How do you pinch yourself and, <laughs> and tell yourself that each day? 
Oh, it's, uh, it's really, it's really funny. And this is, a, I probably shouldn't say a story, but um, at university, when I got to university, mate, there was my first, uh, I think it was one of the first ever essays I'd written. I'd never really done an essay and like failed it miserably. I got two out of 30 and I did it with my good mate. And the professor, his name was Professor Warren Payne. Anyway, I remember this vividly. He dragged us into his office and just absolutely ripped shreds off and said like our writing was at like grade three level and da, da, da. And I've so badly wanted to sign a book and send it to him and say, get this up your Warren. Um, but <laughs> I haven't, and I won't do that because it's not a nice thing to do. But um, with, with that being said, it's something that I didn't actually think I would ever be able to do. And uh, that's because, you know, I always spoke so poorly to myself about, you know, my writing ability and um, my literacy level and my reading and, and, and everything like that. Whereas, um, it scared the crap out of me. And it, I still look at it. It's a bit surreal, to be honest, whereas some people writing a book is probably something they could do. Whereas for me, it scared the absolute bejeevers out of me, but it's something I'm really proud of. And um, it really, and I, I say this a lot too, that if something scares you, it's worth going after. And, you know, if I can write a book for someone at grade three literacy levels that was teaching grade one and couldn't even get the reading words for the week, um, you can do anything. Mate, so incredible. And Saidi, I've said this to you before and I've said it, I'll say it again. The influence that you've had on my life is unbelievable, mate. So thank you so much for impacting my life in a positive way. And no doubt that you're impacting thousands of other people through the things that you're doing, mate. So congratulations. Champion. Thanks so much, Matt. And keep dominating, great man. I heard you're making a lot of runs as well. And that's what we like to hear. <laughs> Might have to edit that part out, mate. <laughs> you won't. <laughs> Good on you, mate. <laughs> Oh, there you have it, friends. Some amazing key takeaways from this podcast is to do what makes you happy and continue to appreciate the finer intricacies in life, whether that's going for a walk for 10 minutes to clear some space in your head or getting back to your roots and doing things you enjoy, like playing basketball and creating a fun workplace or a fun home environment or a fun school environment because the proof is in the pudding. Guys, I highly recommend going out and purchasing a copy of Dale's book, All Work and No Play. Dale, thank you so much for being so vulnerable during today's chat and really emphasizing your why and the meaning behind why we need to incorporate more fun into our lives. That's all that I have for you this week on the show, folks. I hope that you have the week that you deserve wherever you may be in the world and you keep kicking goals. Thanks, friends. I'll see you next time.